0: Uh, my uh, My family would go to the Fourth of July celebration in Mount Vernon, Illinois, close to where I grew up and and we would go uh for for uh for the evening they They usually had a, a fair set up so you could ride rides and uh and and buy all the food and stuff, although we never did that we always took our own but but later that night there would be a fireworks celebration and and so we would set up oftentimes we 'd get set up along this lake that was there in the park in Mount Vernon and and, I, and I'm sure probably about seven o'clock sun was nowhere near going down yet but probably about seven o'clock we began to wear mom and dad out there were six of us wear mom and dad out with uh, when, when's it going to start when's the fireworks start is it about time uh, should we sit down and look up yet and and I imagine we wore them out with that and and slowly slowly the sun would go down and and it would finally start to get a little bit dark and and then you would notice across the lake where they the fireworks were set up there was there were some guys that would basically light them off and you would see them walking around so you'd you start to see the motion and and our anticipation would grow we would start to get excited and and then we would hear it you would hear this noise thump and if you were watching when when that happened and looking in the right place you would see the 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 light the spark go up into the sky and then there would be a and and this is every fireworks celebration anywhere there would be a boom because the first one is always a boom and and then you would you would hear another and you'd watch that arc up into the sky and then the question was always is it going to be another boom or is it going to or is color going to burst into the sky and it's going to be a a beautiful, magnificent color, and usually it was another boom, because the guy that did the, uh, organized the show was a little bit sadistic, and and so the third one would come, and you're like, is it boom?" and usually the third one was a, was a burst of color, and oh man, it was so exciting, and when it exploded, everyone in the crowd, myself included, would say, ah, yeah, ah, ooh, and, and, and so we would sit there, and now my memory may fail me cuz I I'm I'm am uh, I'm getting old now but but as I as I recall the program would be like this the guy would light one and you would see it streak up in the sky explode there would be about a 10 or uh, 5 or 10 second delay and then you'd hear another thump and you'd see it go up and explode and then a 5 or 10 second delay and thump and it would go up and and so the fireworks show I mean, it impressed us. But every five or six seconds, another one would go up. After about twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, whatever it was, they would they would light something that would would uh, would fill up the 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 area with light, and it would end up looking like a flag. And then they would shoot up a couple more fireworks, and then a couple boomers at the end, and the fireworks show was over. We would gather up our blankets, get back in the station wagon, and head home. Uh that was my memory of a fireworks show but fast forward to 1984. Uh I hadn't seen a fireworks show since I was a, uh, was a kid. We we just moved to Rushville and we went up I believe it was at Missouri Western had their 4th of July show somewhere over the campus and and I remember watching that number one as the fireworks would well, it started off with the boomer of course just boom and and but the fireworks were a lot closer together. One would explode and then another one almost right after. And when we got to the end of the show, man, there were just fireworks everywhere going off in the sky. Now, now that impressed me. I, when I was a kid, I, I, I enjoyed the fireworks show, but that one was like, wow, there's so many of them. Now, the truth is, as the years went by and fireworks shows got better and better, the last one was, I think it was last summer, we went to a Royals game on a Friday night, Friday night, Friday night fireworks that's a thing of the past, I guess, at least this year. But we went on a Friday night, and the show ended. It seemed like three or four minutes of constant explosions and colors in the sky as it ended. We we come to the end of uh, of Jesus' sermon, actually uh, the the end of the series, the end of the uh, the, the sermon, and and Jesus says uh, a number of things that. That would call, would have caused them his his followers, those on that hillside, to have said he said what now he had been he'd been lobbing kind of uh, salvos here and salvos there, but when he gets to chapter seven, if their minds hadn't already been spinning by the vastness of his teaching by the richness of his and depth of his instruction, which had included a ton of stuff he had talked about. Loving uh, our enemies and praying for them. He had he had talked about being forgiven. Uh but to be forgiven we had to forgive and and storing up treasures in heaven and not letting worry distract us. And Jesus had been talking about so many cool stuff, but in chapter seven, it's it's like he just finishes the sermon with with a saddle like the end of a fireworks show just boom, 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 and boom. Now Now I know when it got to the end of the sermon, they would have, they would have been saying, he said what? And, and I think, I think their next response would have been like, no, no, really, what? What did he just say? We, we know that in part. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew seven. We know that because at the very end of this sermon, Matthew makes a observation. This is not the words of Jesus, but Matthew who was, who, who wrote this, uh, who uh, recorded this? Matthew says in verse twenty-eight, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were blown away by what Jesus had said. So this morning we're going to we're going to make a mad dash through through Matthew chapter seven and see some of these these booming things that Jesus said. Just one right after another so so here's the first thing he said now that they're they're connected and they're not connected so kind of follow along with me as we look at these uh these sections here's the first thing that jesus said he said if you've got your notes there you can, you'll you see it in the notes he said be judgmental jesus said in matthew 7 be judgmental i'm just waiting to see if any of you are thinking really he he said be judgmental that that doesn't sound right something something seems off there let's read uh Let's read the first five verses. Chapter 7, starting with verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So I know what you're saying. Well, let me stop right there for a second. I know what you're saying, or at least you should be saying, okay, doesn't that seem to be saying that we're not supposed to judge, and you're saying Jesus said be judgmental? Let me... uh, uh Let me make an observation here. Uh, most of the men and women on that hillside, we, we, we've talked about them over this, the the last few weeks of this series. Most of the men and women on that hillside that day were living, were living under judgmental eyes. In other words, they were feeling like they were being judged all the time. And, and it kind of, it kind of fell into two groups. Uh, Some of those on the hillside, as we mentioned before, were ones that were estranged from their faith. They were men and women that had had for whatever reason had separated. They weren't active in their faith. Maybe they maybe by but because of lifestyle choices or things they had done or what they, they just really weren't connected to the faith. And because of that, they they felt like they were living under the judgment of other people. Uh, and and the second group on that hillside were those who were active in their faith. They they were they were keeping the Sabbath holy every Saturday, every Sabbath. They, boy, they were in the they were in the synagogue. They were they were making sure they followed the laws as best they could, and 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 they were they were being very true to their faith. But but they still felt judged. Truth is, probably most of us, most of us fall into one of those two categories. We we either are somewhat estranged for our faith or uncertain about it and we feel judged, or maybe we're very active, man, we're, we're in church every Sunday, and we're, we're, we're doing all the things that we think we should, and yet we still feel like maybe we're a little judged. So, so I, wonder, I wonder when Jesus started this text off, he, he switches gears, and he says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. I wonder, I wonder if those people on the hillside who, who, who were living under judgment, feeling like people were judging them all the time, I wonder if they didn't as soon as jesus said that didn't do this. I mentioned this uh last week or two weeks ago I can't remember now that uh that the religious leaders were uh the the Pharisees Sadducees some of the rabbis were there as well they they were probably on the the out uh, outer edge of the group either on one side or the other or at the back of the crowd and and uh uh when Jesus started chapter six, I, I mentioned then that they probably look back at them and think, well, Jesus is talking to them. But, but surely when Jesus said, don't judge, lest we be judged, all these people who lived under judgment felt like, and, and the judgment they, they were living under was the judgment of the religious leaders, whether real or, or implied or felt. I, I, I bet whether they actually did or not, I bet they felt like turning around and looking at them like, yeah, he's talking to you. Uh, when Reed and I are together, if we're ever anywhere where someone, someone mentions something or says something about being impatient, maybe, we're, maybe we're, uh, we're, we're talking to some friends and the wife says, yeah, my husband, he was just so impatient. Or, or, or a guy says, yeah, I was driving the car behind me. They were tailgating me. They were so impatient. Whenever impatience is ever mentioned, my wife does this. She looks at me and sometimes it's like, now that wouldn't hurt quite so much if it weren't, weren't totally true because I am impatient. In, in so I wonder, I wonder if they didn't do that. Judge, don't judge. Did Jesus just say don't judge? I, I, I think they had, their attention had to be pulled over to the religious, uh, leaders and, and look at them. But, but before we now, we're going to finish this this uh this section, but before we do that know this Jesus was don't don't miss this Jesus was talking to the religious leaders when he said that do not judge lest you be judged he he was targeting the religious leaders now now let me just toss in here just quickly lest we sit in judgment of the fact that the religious leaders were judgmental uh there's a lot of us that probably would fall into that group uh, I'll at least speak for myself i I can fall into that group very easily where I become I, I can be that way uh, but not only was he talking to the religious leaders, he was also talking he was talking to the common guy and the, the the man the men and women that were sitting on that hillside Jesus was saying that to them as well, and we know that we know that because of of what Jesus really meant in this text. Now, let me go ahead and read the rest of the, the text there. So he says, don't judge, lest you be judged. The, whatever you measure, that's how it's going to be measured to you. Then verse 3, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, now these are not two separate texts. This this is a continuation of a thought, so don't, don't miss that. Uh, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye When all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There are a couple misconceptions that we have when we start reading uh, Matthew chapter seven. They they would have had it as well. When we read Matthew chapter seven, we have a couple misconceptions. Here's the first one, uh, that Christians are to never make a judgment. That, that is a misconception or a fallacy or a misinterpretation that Christians are never to, to be discerning about anything. In fact, uh, this is probably uh, probably one of the misquoted verses, uh, most misquoted verses in all of the Bible, particularly by non Christians. It's amazing how people who never go to church know that verse they don't know where it is but they know didn't didn't jesus say you weren't supposed to judge i mean people know that that verse but the reality is we we are as christians to now i gotta be careful here we are to be discerning of other believers in galatians chapter six galatians chapter six verse one it says brothers if someone is caught in a sin you who are spiritual should restore him gently now, how can we do that? How could I ever restore someone who's, who's given over to a sin if I don't make a judgment about that? And yet scripture tells me to do it. Now notice what he, Paul continues and says this though, so, but watch yourself. It's almost exactly what Jesus says. But watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. So, so our, our purpose in judging anyone or, or noticing their sin is to walk alongside them Carry each other's burdens in this way you will feel the law of Christ. James chapter 5, 1920 says, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude. Of sins. Again, it, it's requiring us as believers to look at our fellow brothers and sisters and if we see sin in their life, do something about it. Plus church, we're called to, we're called to make a judgment about, about good and evil and right and wrong all the time. Uh, Romans 12, 9 says, Love must be sincere. Now, notice what it says. It says, Hate what is evil. Now, now how can I hate it if I don't decide that it's wrong? If I don't take Scripture and put it up against uh, decisions and say, yeah, that's evil. Uh, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. John uh, eight eleven Jesus talked to the woman that had been caught in adultery and He says to her, Now, go now and leave your life of sin. So we are called to make judgments about other believers and we are called to make judgments about right and wrong, good or bad, whether it serves God or not. So so it is a misconception, misinterpretation to to assume when Jesus said that that we we can never make any kind of judgment at all. And here's the second mis uh, misrepresentation, misinterpretation of this text. Uh Jesus really isn't even talking about judgment now, now, now he is a little bit, but the main purpose of his teaching isn't uh, isn't even about us making it, making judgments. The real application that Jesus wanted them to get, and, and it wouldn't have been lost on the religious leaders they they would have they would have put it together. In fact, they probably were standing back with their arms folded. They they probably were were a little disgusted. Smoke was coming out of their ears. Did Jesus just say this? Did he really say that? And, and it wouldn't have been lost on the, the men and women on the hillside that Jesus was talking to them. Jesus uses, uh, uses some, some very uh, over-the-top, uh, uh, and, and he did it on purpose, over-the-top imagery when he, he says this. He says, but before you ever think about looking at someone else, he says, do this. And that's what the text is about. Look at yourself. He says, "Take the plank out of your own eye. Uh, take the, the the board out of your own own eye." Now, now let me il- illustrate it this way uh, for you this morning. This this is literally, this is literally what Jesus wanted them to see. It is like if I had this tube before stuck in my eye. Now I, I get just a little bit of dust, and man, I'm, I I cry like a little girl because uh, that hurts. But but he says. Look, look, you've got this plank in your eye. So so what if I decided uh Man Rita, you need to change some things in your life. Let me let me let me get that. Yeah, I know. See, it really messes up your field of view here. I don't know. Am I close or no? Whoa. And uh but that's the image that Jesus wanted them to get. He literally wanted to get the image that I'm gonna trip over that. <laughs> he wanted them to get the image of how ridiculous it looked. I've got a two before, and literally plank would have been, they probably would have envisioned a plank on the side of a ship, a huge old board. How ridiculous to have a plank in your eye and you're concerned about a little speck of sawdust in someone else's eye. Before we point out a flaw in someone else's life, before we point out their need to change, before we challenge them to a broader commitment, Jesus says take a close look at yourself. Jesus says, be judgmental. He says, be judgmental. But start with yourself. Look at your motives. Look at your sin. Look at your shortcomings. Look at your weaknesses and give them to Jesus before you ever worry about someone else. And, and here's the truth. When we take an honest look at ourself, we probably won't end up looking quite so judgmental at other people at the end of the day if we look at ourselves if if we do end up looking at someone else if we do end up pointing out a flaw or a need in their life we we will do it from a place of love and humility because we've looked close at ourselves and realized what god has done for us so Jesus says, be judgmental. We're going to, we're going to buzz on uh, quickly through the rest of this. He, he says, and, and I think they would have been excited when he finally changed topics here. Because he went from that, and then, man, he just went completely, it appears, he went completely to another place. Now let me read uh, for you in uh, chapter 7, verse 7. He says this, or verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Men, they, they must have, when Jesus switched gears, they must have of of been excited. Wow. All I have to do is ask. All I have to do is seek. All I all I've I to do is knock and and it's mine. See see, they were still they were still somewhat chewing on this idea of I've got to look close at myself, and, and I've got to examine myself and get rid of my, my hypocrisy. And they were still chewing on that. And, and then Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Uh, I, I just have to wonder if they didn't get super excited. See, see what's easier? What's easier, taking an honest look at yourself or, or thinking all I have to do is ask, and God will give it to me? Which one, which one is more palatable? Which one, which one are you going to latch on to? Which teaching are you going to like, Hey, that's pretty good. I, I, I think they would have, I think they would have just uh, forgot what Jesus just said and like, Wow, I like that. Just ask and it's mine. Now, I, I I think I know this. I think I know that that's how they would have responded uh, based on how what, what we do in the church. I, I mentioned before that. Uh, that non-believers or non-churchgoers know uh Matthew seven uh, verse one. Don't judge, lest you be judged. But hey, let's be honest. We know that in the church as well. I've heard that as much from people in the church. Well, you you can't judge me. It says right there in the Bible. Did, didn't Jesus say you can't judge me? So 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 we we miss the real teaching there because we get so hung up on this. Isn't Jesus telling I'm not you can't look at me and uh, we we miss that and. And we don't miss what he said there in verses 7 and 8. We don't miss that, yeah. But doesn't it say if I ask, it's mine? In in fact, uh, the parallel passage in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke expands on what Jesus says. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Luke, and and it's the same sermon, Luke records this. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be, be measured to you. Man, how many times have I heard that? Quoted like, well, if you if, if you give your money to the church, God's just going to bless you so much so you won't it'll just be poured out over on top of you. If if you give up your time, God's just gonna bless you beyond measure. Now, those are true, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Who wouldn't be excited if they thought Jesus said, ask and and, and it's yours? But here's the problem. Uh, just like us, they, they misunderstood that. See God, uh, God is not our personal genie. That's not what Jesus is saying. He He's not saying whatever you want. Just ask God. Just pray about it, and God's going to give it to you. I, God, I I really want that new job. It's going to be better pay, better benefits, uh, uh, less hours. I won't have to drive as far. God, just I know it's your will for me to have that life. I, I don't know what we do. We pray. Maybe rub our Bible a little bit. God, you're going to give it to me, aren't you? Uh, it's not what he's talking about. God, I, we pray over our kids. God, make them smart and tall and athletic and, and good-looking and straight teeth and, and successful. Uh, and we, that's okay to pray for those things, but I don't think God's saying, hey, if you pray for that, it's going to be yours automatically. Uh, God, I, I want to be healthy all the time. Lord, I don't want to have any problems at all. But notice, from this sermon, in the context... In this context, that we are to love our enemies, we are to forgive other people if we want to be forgiven, and, and we're to do it over and over and over again. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Jesus said seven times, uh, seventy times seven times. Uh, in this context, where where we're called to not worry, not let that distract us, not to judge other people, Jesus makes this promise. In that context, he says, if we ask, God will help. If we seek him, he will show us the way. If we knock, he'll open the door and give us his heart. So so church, yes, let's be excited when we, we read. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Because when we try to be like Jesus... And, and throughout this sermon and, uh, everything we've talked at over the last four weeks and everything else in the sermon that we haven't even touched on, Jesus has always been raising the bar a little bit higher and a little bit higher and a little bit higher. How many times have you seen what he said in these, these chapters and thought, man, I can't do that. Love my enemy, pray for those who purge. Pers- I can't do that. Not worry, not be distracted by. I can't do that not 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 think bad thoughts and i can't do how many times when we read this this sermon do we think i can't do that and and the truth is you can't but if we ask we can if we seek him he's going to show us how we can do it if we knock and say god help me love my enemy help me forgive someone suddenly with God's help, we can, uh, two or three weeks ago, we were babysitting our grandkids, uh, uh, Cohen and Reed. And, uh, uh, it was Saturday morning and Reed came up. Uh, well, Reed said it and and Cohen repeats everything Reed said. It's like, Papa, can we go to the playground? Uh, the elementary school playgrounds in our front yard. Um, we just, I just found out the other day, it's actually locked because we noticed no one's been on it. It's locked and you're not supposed to go on it, but there's a gate in our yard that leads into it. That's not locked. So it's our personal playground. So, uh, so, so, so I let them out and they headed down the plane. It's about 20, 30 yards down the, at the bottom of our, our, our front yard. And, and I set up on the front porch. I, we were working on the porch. So I was scraping some paint on the porch and, and I was, I was keeping a eagle's eye, uh, on, on my grandkids. Anyway, do any of you believe that? Uh, I, I was listening kind of sort of for them. And so, so I'd look up ever, ever so often, make sure no one was bleeding or nothing was going on. But but then I heard Cohen start to cry. I heard him kind of start to cry, and I looked up, and I didn't see him. And then it kind of stopped. And I looked over and Reed's on a piece of equipment, and he's playing. I thought, well, if Cohen's in big trouble. Reed wouldn't surely he would have reacted, but he didn't. So so I went back to do. It, and then I heard him cry again. I looked up, and I still couldn't see Cohen. And and uh, and then it kind of stopped. And I looked down again. You might have thought I would have gone down to check, but you know. Uh, uh, but I was busy and it's a long way down there. That 30 yards is a long walk. And, uh, and, and then, then Reed hollers, Papa, Cohen needs you. And he started crying again. And so I put my scraper down and I immediately ran down to the playground. Okay. I walked briskly, uh, down to the playground. I still couldn't see Cohen, but I, I figured out what was going on. On, on the backside of the, the slides, there's a, a big platform that's got two different slides that go down, and on the back side there's a a a, a climbing wall like a rock rock wall. Uh, you know, it's only about this high, but but it's got the little footholds and hand handholds. And and I'd helped Cohen climb up that for Rick and just skim me up it, but but I'd help Cohen a couple times do that, and so I knew what had happened. He'd started up that and got scared, and so so I got down there, and sure enough, there he was, hanging on for dear life. I mean, it was close. He almost lost his life. He was about from here to there from the bottom of the, or from the ground. He he was really one foothold up is all he was. But he was there and he was shaking and he was crying. And, and I started to pluck him off the wall. Started to grab him and take him off and, and, and console him. Then I thought no, I'm, I'm a dude. I'm going to make sure he climbs this wall. So I said, go and you can do it. And so I, I grabbed one of his feet and lifted it up to the next foothold. And he's kind of crying, oh, no, no, no. But, but he did it and stepped up and 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 we did that the rest of the way up as he walked his way up and finally got to the top. And and when he did, finally his crying stopped and he turned around and said, I did it. Huh. Truth was, <laughs> we did it, Cohen, but you know, not splitting hairs. I did it. I wonder I, I don't wonder. I know. Jesus, when he says, Ask and will be given to you, isn't saying, Hey, God's just gonna give you whatever you want, just ask, him, man, it is yours. Uh, sometimes he does. I mean, we are to ask, but, but that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is, hey, there's no way I can love my enemy. Jesus says, ask. Man, there's, there's no way I can, I, I can overcome worry and, and concern. Jesus will just seek me. And there's, there's no way I can live up to that target. Jesus said, hey, knock. And I'm going to open that door so you can. Uh, then, then he says, be careful. Uh, it's kind of interesting because we started off saying, uh, be judgmental, but then we're like, oh no, doesn't he say we're not supposed to judge? And then he actually goes to a text that kind of reiterates the whole point that, yeah, we are supposed to be discerning about things. In verse 16, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but innerly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Uh, you can go ahead and read the rest of that section if, if you want, want to. Jesus is telling us to be careful, to be watchful, to, to be discerning. And he's really telling us to do, to, to do two things. He's telling us to look at two things and, and in particular in our leaders, in people that lead us. He says, first of all, check out their teaching. Look at their teaching and then And then he says, once you've done that, look at their actions. Jesus, church, uh, just so you know this, I I want you to know that I know this, and and our leaders uh, hopefully all do as well. Jesus is empowering you, the church, to look at the teaching of any leader in this church, myself included, and make sure that it lines up with Scripture. Make sure it lines up with what Jesus said. When you read the epistles, the letters to the church, Almost every letter, whether it was 1 Corinthians or Thessalonians or Timothy or or Philippians or whatever, almost every, every letter to the church addresses some type of false teaching. People would become drunk with power and drunk with authority, and they would pervert the gospel of Jesus. Church, you are commanded by Jesus to make sure that what I say doesn't go against the teaching of Jesus. You're instructed... To make sure every Sunday school teacher, every Bible study leader, every woman, women's study leader, every home group leader is staying in line with what Jesus said. Now, now there are some things when it comes to church that we can disagree on that we can interpret different. Should we have air conditioning or not? Should we have modern music or old music? Should we have padded pews or, or should we meet in a church or there, there's all types of things that we can lovingly disagree on, but but we can't disagree on the main things. Salvation doesn't come from Mohammed or Buddha, or doesn't come from being a, a, just a good person. It comes from Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to check first of all that Jesus is saying check your leader's teaching. Make sure what they teach is in line with what I say. And then he said, check their actions. Make sure that that your teachers, your leaders, fruit is godly. If they're saying all the right stuff, and maybe they are. Uh, Jesus pointed this out. The Pharisees were saying a lot of the right stuff. Their lives just didn't didn't show it. If if they're saying the right stuff, but you don't see the fruit, you need to run. If they're saying, uh, even if they're saying you need to love your enemy, you need to forgive people, but they don't love and forgive, then, then don't trust that type of leader. See, a godly... Leader is a perfect messing of of godly teaching of what Jesus said and what Jesus told us to do so so we almost go back to verses three three to five when when he's telling us as leaders, hey, take that plank out of your own eye, take that plank out of your eye before you look at someone else's and he 's talking to current religious leaders he was talking to the religious leaders of that day and he's talking to us as future uh, church leaders as well so so as we come to the end of this sermon jesus has one last bit of advice and and actually uh he says it a couple times i i skipped some powerful verses so i just don't have time to touch on everything uh, verses 13 and 14 i go back and read those because it ties into what we're going to read next but uh, as we come to the end of this, I think Jesus wraps up the whole sermon, this whole discourse by saying this. He tells us, "Be wise, be wise verses twenty one to twenty three Not everyone who says to me, and this would have would have shocked them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven." Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plenty. I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. If you had gone to to the people on that hillside and asked them, OK, who who's going to make it to heaven? We, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago that one of them one of the exciting things for them was they would have realized, hey, I, heaven is a possibility. For me. But, but if you had asked them, hey, who, who's a shoe in for heaven? Who's going to make it to heaven for sure? I, I think they would have, they would have said, well, well, it's, it's the one that prophesies. Now, now prophecy, they would have understood it, not necessarily mean predictive, but uh, a prophet was one who spoke for God. So, so even though they didn't necessarily like the religious leaders, even though they felt judged by the religious leaders, they would have, the, they probably would have said, "Well, the ones who are shoe ins are the ones who speak for God. They're they're going to heaven." They they would have they would have said, "Well, well, the, the ones that cast out demons, demons were a real thing. That's something they lived with." And probably some guy in the crowd was thinking, "Yeah, my brother in law Fred. I don't know if they they don't think they had Fred names back then, but my brother in law Fred had a demon, and the rabbi cast it out. Well, that rabbi, he's going to heaven because he cast out demons. And and surely if someone did miracles." They're going to go to heaven. And, and their minds would have been blown when they realized that Jesus said that some of the ones who speak for him, who cast out demons, who perform miracles, I'm going to say I don't know them. Surely they're shoo but Jesus says, hang on. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter. See, some that you thought were safe, some that they would have said, man, their shoe-ins uh, were, were going to be excluded. And some that you thought were in trouble. And, and that would have been those on the hillside that are like, man, I don't know. I think they would have understood, well, well, some of us will be included. You see, it's not how much you know or how righteous you might appear or how many holy things you do. It's not even if you go to church enough. All important things. It's about do you know Jesus? Do you follow him? Is your life built on the foundational, the foundation of the rock, which is his teaching? Are you seeking to look like Jesus? What this whole sermon has been about, what it's been pointing to, where it's been been aiming us is are we willing to follow Jesus? Jesus goes on, I'm not going to read the text, you know it, you could sing the song. He said, the wise man, the wise man builds his house on the rock and the storm comes, water rises, the wind blows, and it's firm. But the foolish guy, well, he builds on sand, and when that happens, it falls over. The first year that that I worked with Casas Por Cristo in Mexico was uh, was nineteen uh, or was two thousand seven. Excuse me. We'd we'd been going to Mexico for about ten years, but that was the first time we worked with Casas. Uh, we we got out to Napra on Sunday afternoon. We went to a church service. A couple of guys walked over the hill to look at the site that we were going to build our first house on. Uh, they, they came back and they came up to me and they said, "Tim, we've got a problem." They went and looked at the site, and the the the, the plot of land that we were building on was at about a thirty degree angle, uh, and they hadn't prepared it at all. It was it was sitting there like that. Unless we're going to build a house that looks like that we knew the next day we were going to have to do a lot of work so, so actually we started sunday afternoon and we started moving sand from up the hill down to the bottom and we tried to come up with a couple pieces of scrap plywood to to, to hold that sand so we're building up a sand wall on one end hoping that but we got to get it level and, and literally we had a sand wall and every time we thought we had it sand would start filling around beside that plywood and down and i i believe I, I don't think it was me that said it but someone said the foolish man builds on sand. And and then Pastor Raphael showed up. And he looked he, he watched us for a while. I, I think he just watched us just so he could laugh at us a little bit as we were trying to, to, to get sand to stay in place. And he finally, through, through his daughter uh, interpreting, said, uh, hang on a second, just stop, I'll be right back. And he left in his pickup, came back later with a truckload of, uh, of, of old tires. You've been to Mexico. You you you've seen those. In fact, some of you helped build some a retaining wall with tires. But he came back with a bunch of tires and and had us dig out and put the tires down. And I'm sitting there. I'm not a builder. And, and how why I thought this, but I'm thinking this isn't going to work. Uh, but we did what he said and we laid a row of tires and another row and filled them with sand and then kind of staggered them down and until we got up where we we were level with the top side. And we poured that foundation on a bunch of old tires filled with sand. That's been 10 years ago. No, how how many years? What did I say? 2000, so 13 years ago. Every time I go to Mexico, I drive by Ana Cristina's house. That's who we built the house for. I drive by her house and I always look up. Is it still there? (laughs) And it is. Now, now maybe we didn't think building on tires is like building on rock, but but in Mexico it's like building on rock, and it's firm. Jesus really with his whole sermon says, I am the rock. <laughs> I am the rock. Build your life on me. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the teaching of Jesus, and even though it's left us shaking our heads and, and saying he... What did he say? Uh, How can I do that, Father? We we know in the end that you're there to help us if we only seek to build our life on you and the teaching of your sons. Father, give give us the strength to follow Jesus. Give us the wisdom and the courage to follow Jesus, to build our life on the firm foundation of his life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you don't know that firm foundation, Foundation, I would encourage you to come. Would you stand as we sing?